0: Learn more at Marines.com.
1: What's going on, everybody? The No Huddle Show. I'm Elliot Shore Parks. We are back with another episode with me and Zach Rosenblatt. And we are here one week until training camp. And on this episode, we talked about a lot. I mean, football is finally about to be back. There's a lot to talk about. We went over our top 10. I think it actually turned out to be 12 storylines for training camp, what we think are going to be the most talked about subjects, projecting some stuff that in three weeks we'll be talking about on the podcast, Um, went over, you know, key guys like Alshon, what we expect from Wentz, even Nate Sudfeld, uh, backup offensive line. So we really took a deep dive into this roster as training camp approaches. Um, So that's definitely some good stuff. I'm excited to be talking football again. But before we get into the podcast, I just wanted to remind you guys, now that we're back in, you know, back in football mode We really appreciate if you would subscribe. So we're on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. So you can catch us on all those. We're on YouTube. We always read those YouTube comments. Um, So we appreciate everyone that does that. Toss us a thumbs up there if you don't mind, but also subscribe. Um, And once you do subscribe, leave those five-star reviews. We love five-star reviews. Go in there. We will answer every question you leave this season in a comment. So go in there. You know, leave a question and we'll talk about it on the podcast. Um, You know, I love interacting with Eagles fans. Zach does too. So please guys get in there and leave a comment. So training camp one week away. The no huddle show is back. Here we go. What's going on, everybody? The new episode of the no huddle show Training camp one week away, which is pretty hard to believe. I was looking at highlights on Twitter of the Super Bowl this morning, and it's just, first of all, it's crazy that the further we get away from that game, the more unbelievable what we saw in that game was. But second, it's just crazy to think that it feels like just yesterday I was in Minnesota, and now, Zach, you're getting ready for your first training camp as an Eagles beat reporter, which starts one week. We're recording this on a Thursday, July 19th, one week from today. It's wild. I'm, I'm pumped, man. I. As a fan, a while
0: back, I went to like a, when it was at Lehigh, I drove out to Lehigh with my brother and like made a wrong turn at some point. So like, I do like 30 minutes on our trip. Nice. I, I just remember going and, and just being so, even just as a fan and the day the fans get to go, like yeah. it, the, the, the excitement around training camp,
1: I don't think there's anything like it in any other sports in terms of like preseasons. And I mean, the tickets for the open training camp practices went on sale, quote unquote, even though you didn't have to pay. And it seems like they sold out and I don't. I don't think they're going to fill it. Yeah, so in the years past, they haven't filled the whole stadium. I don't even know Mm. if they would, but those are obviously going to be crazy. It'll be the first chance for the general public to see this team since they won the Super Bowl. Um, And yeah, I mean, the thing about training camp, I covered it for a few years at Lehigh. As an intern, and then, you know, obviously, I've been full-time with NJ.com for a while doing it. But I would say, like, the cool thing about training camp compared to OTA practices and all that is that even though they're not open to fans, there's always around 200 fans in there. Whether it's, like, season ticket holders, uh, you know, businesses. Family. Yeah, just, like, things like that. So, there's, you know, you'll see. There's always still, like, a mood going on. Like, fans cheer, uh, there's never any booing, obviously, but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's cool. It's exciting to like get back. I'm excited to track quarterback stats again. I'm excited to do daily <laughs> observations. That. That's your thing, exactly. Yeah, I'm excited for daily observations. I'm excited for just the ebb and flow of camp. Honestly, it's my favorite time of the year. Um, I like it better than the draft, the off season. I mean, covering the Super Bowl is pretty cool, but that's not something that happens regularly around here. I just think the excitement of training camp, not knowing what's going to happen, who's going to make the team, uh, doing my 53 man roster predictions putting people's stock up and down. I just think it's definitely my favorite time of the year. And on that note, what makes it my favorite time of the year is all the storylines, all the craziness that kind of happens week in and week out. So with the training camp one week away, we are going to be talking today about storylines and just saying you know, what we think the biggest storylines are going to be, saying what they are now, maybe projecting a little too for a few of them, and just looking ahead to what's going to be you know, really a next crazy month with multiple preseason games, training camp practices, and all that. So here's how we did this. Me, Zach, and I both wrote down 10 topics. We're going to go back and forth because we're probably going to double up a little. We're going to go over the 10 biggest storylines either we think is going to happen in training camp or we know will be a big storyline. So Zach, you can go first, and I have a pretty good idea of where you're going to go with this one. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll keep it obvious for the for the story, and that's uh, the health of Carson Wentz. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we we talked I think every episode during the spring about how great he looked, how shocked we were that he was, you know, as involved as he was during the spring. You know, if if it was December and you had asked us like, is he gonna part- even participate in the spring? I'm guessing you would have said no, probably, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. Now I think like. What type of odds would I have to give you to bet that on the first practice of the first day of training camp, he does 11 on 11? Ooh,
0: I don't know. That's a good question. I I don't, I'm, oh man, that's tough. I don't know if he, I don't think he's going to, but I think there's definitely a chance.
1: I think there's a pretty good chance. I just think, I think Wentz is a guy that is very aware of the optics of this situation. Um, I know we said we didn't want to talk about the SBs, but I thought it was a little interesting that he wasn't at the SBs last, you know, a few nights ago with the team. Yeah, um, and all
0: the other guys were, yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of the other guys were. Now, he did just get married, so I don't know if he's like, <laughs> True. you know, on his honeymoon, which could be the case. But, you know, I just, I don't know. I thought it was just a little weird he's not there. He's the franchise quarterback, and I get he didn't play in the game, but I think Wentz is very aware of he wants people to still realize he's the guy on this team. Um, And I think that showed during OTAs when he kind of did a ton more than we thought, you know, had his helmet on, really taking part in everything. And I think it would mean something to Wentz to be out there on the first day, first practice, 11 on 11s. Now, maybe he doesn't take all the snaps or anything like that, but I think there's, you know, maybe close to a 50% chance that he's out there uh, the day one, ready to go taking those 11 on 11s. But what what are some things you're going to look for in terms of his progress? And like, you know, at what point do you think fans will be able to feel even more comfortable that he's going to play? Or at what point do you think it'll be time to maybe start getting realistic with the fact he might not play in week one?
0: It's an interesting question because, you know, he's obviously not going to get hit during training camp. So I, I think the biggest question, for, I think he looks, he looked great. Uh, like you, like I think you've said this before. If like he didn't have a knee brace on, you wouldn't even know that he had a knee injury based right. on the way he was moving. So for me, it's, it's not. I don't even know if it's necessarily. I mean, getting through healthy and like not re-injuring or suffering any new injuries is the main thing. But I, I don't know until we actually see him take hits and be in game action. I, I don't know if there's really much that I'm looking for necessarily in terms of him being ready for week one. Because as of right now, I think he's going to be ready for week one. We just don't know. How he'll be once people start tackling him and he gets a weight put on that leg, and you know defensive players are going to target target his knee because they know that it's bad. So, right, I, I think that really until he plays, like it's hard to really answer that. I think.
1: So I was thinking yesterday, like how crazy it would be if Full started Week One. Just, I mean, obviously. <laughs> You know, we both, everyone wants the players to be 100% healthy. You don't ever want a player to deal with an injury. So clearly, I think we both hope Wentz is ready for week one just because you want to see everybody healthy for week one. I hope Timmy Jernigan's ready for week one. But just the the narrative and the storyline, I mean, it's going to be a zoo that night either way, like Super Bowl banner, first game of the NFL season, primetime versus playoff opponent. I mean, it's going to be a wild scene, and it'll be another level of wild if Wentz is playing. But if like Foles plays and he has you know 3 touchdowns in the first half like then things get interesting so that leads me to my the one I'll I'll pick next is what's going to be one of the top storylines and that's going to be Will Foles be happy as a backup um i think in a lot of ways this is going to be a narrative whether the Eagles wanted to or not because i can tell you that there's going to be national guys there every Every week, every day, basically asking, trying to talk to Foles, asking him about this. I mean, he's probably answered this question eight hundred times at this point. He's going to answer it eight hundred more times over the next five weeks. Um, If he has a really good day at practice, uh, you know, they'll they'll just be that type of stuff, knowing that he's eventually heading to a backup. Um, And I think I I didn't read his book yet, but from some of the excerpts I've seen of Foles' book, there was a few interesting lines in there. Where I'm not saying he's like going to be upset this year, but just things like. You know, seeing other quarterbacks get a deal kind of he noticed that and then he ended up getting a new contract. Um, He talked about, you know, the ability as a free agent next year to get a pick and choose where he wants to go as opposed to being traded. So I do think Foles is going to be happy. But I, I mean, I do think there is that there will always be a little bit of that underlying like Wentz throws a bad pass. What's going on with Foles? Like that type of thing.
0: Yeah, I think it'll be more like certainly I think he's he might get frustrated or, you know, waiting for like his opportunity this year. But I, I don't think he's going to make a fuss out of it because I don't think that's yeah. in his personality. I think more than anything, it would become a distraction if, like you said, he comes out, has a great game. Then Carson Wentz comes in week two, maybe struggles the first couple of weeks, getting back into the groove of things. And right. then maybe you start hearing the outside. You know, questioning, like, wait, should we be thinking about a quarterback controversy? Should Nick Foles be the quarterback? Like, you know that'll happen if that's, like, the way it plays out. And I think that would be the distraction more than – I think mean, Nick Foles' presence is almost a distraction more than, like, Nick Foles himself.
1: Agreed. And then there's the whole thing um, of, you know, God forbid in the second week of training camp we hear that I'm trying to give a team – Like, Kirk Cousins goes down with a— Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be that type of thing where— Sam Bradford type of deal. Right. Every time a quarterback goes down, there's going to be that speculation whether it makes sense for Foles to go there as a trade partner. So Foles is, without question, going to be one of the biggest storylines. I'm making a—I'm writing a story this week on NJ.com. The the biggest—like, who has the most juice in Philly sports? And I think there's an argument to be made that Wentz and Foles are number one and two in the entire city— in terms of the most popular athletes. And I think you can make the argument right now it's Foles just because he's been more in the public eye. He won the Super Bowl. He's been on all the talk shows. You know, he was at the ESPYs. And I, you know, I think obviously people, everyone recognizes Wentz is still the guy, but we're being naive. And I think Wentz is being naive if he doesn't realize that there is the possibility of Foles like ha- continuing to win over this city. And
0: Well, I think that goes into you what you said earlier about Wentz understanding and, and caring about the narrative kind of thing. So I I think we'll see a lot of how much Wentz is thinking about that based on how quickly he pushes himself to get back out there.
1: Right. No, I agree. All right. You are up for the next pick.
0: This is more of like a training camp storyline than a full-on season one. But I I just think the health of like a large chunk of their main players is going to be something to mm-hmm. keep an eye on. Cause it, I mean, I, I can even go through, chop the top of my head, some of the guys, you know, Carson Wentz. We got Alshon Jeffrey dealing with shoulder offseason shoulder surgery Brandon Graham ankle uh, Tim Jernigan might be out for the first six weeks if they put him on the PUP list uh, and, and who am I missing I feel like there's somebody else uh, Jordan Hicks is still recovering
1: right J- Jason Maragos. Peter.
0: we're not sure how Jason Peter. I mean he was limited and he participated in the spring but we don't know how his knee's feeling and he's a little older I mean Darren Sproles is coming off a couple major injuries like there, there's a lot of guys that we you know we haven't really seen that much of yet and they had pretty serious injuries. Like Alshon Jeffrey played with a shoulder injury the entire season. So he's going to pay right. the consequences of that probably right now. So I'm just curious to see how much these guys participate for the ones that are sitting out, if they'll be ready for week one, how long they sit out, if they practice leading up to week one. Like, I think that's going to be an important thing to keep an eye on. Cause if these guys come back too soon and they hurt themselves, then the Eagles are going to be hurt way earlier in the season than, than we, than they need to be.
1: So some thoughts on the injured guys. First, I think it's kind of become like a foregone conclusion that Jernigan's going to start on the pup. And I was thinking about that this morning. I remember last year, um, different injuries, obviously, different levels of severity. But everyone thought Bo Allen was going to start on the pup. And it was like, oh, he'll be on the pup. He'll be on the pup. He'll be on the pup. And then five days out, it was like, oh, he's actually going to play in week one. So (laughs) I I think that although there is a chance that Jernigan does start on the pup, I don't think that's a foregone conclusion. I think that's much more up in the air than people want to talk about. Um, we're really just going off of a report on that. The Eagles yeah. haven't said anything in terms of a time. We don't even know how
0: he suffered it. it something weird.
1: Right. And, you know, with the NFL version of NBA players shooting in the gym, Jernigan has been on Instagram a lot, working out, you know. Like, he, he looks like – he's certainly being active. I think he's been running. So, you know, I, I'm not saying – that means much of anything but it certainly does seem like he's working hard in his rehab and he is progressing so I, I, I you know in terms of journey I wouldn't count him out for week one um, Peters I think does play in week one I think Hicks yeah. plays in week one um, Sproles obviously plays in week one yeah Jeffrey's uh, a
0: question mark I think though
1: I think do you think Jeffrey's a question mark
0: um, I, th- I think he's gonna play but I think it's a, you can at least say like I could see him not playing
1: I go back and forth because as people have tweeted me roughly 800 times over the past 24 hours, (laughs) he did play last season with a torn rotator cuff. So he obviously knows how to play through this injury. I guess it's a little different now that he had the surgery. Um, I think he does play in week one. I don't think he plays at all in training camp um, or the preseason games. Last year, he barely played. Obviously, he had... I guess in retrospect, just suffered the torn rotator cuff. But um, just from talking from people that were in Chicago, he doesn't normally partake in a ton of training camp anyway. So I think he will play in week one. Chris Marigos, I think of all the injured guys, even though he's probably the least important, is kind of in some ways personally for him the most important in his recovery because he could not if have roster spot. If he wants a to make
0: the spot. team, yeah, right. Totally.
1: So it'll be interesting to see when he starts to and, play. I mean, not, not, not as hard to cut you off, but not as no, big no. of a
0: deal. But uh, Josh Adams also is fighting for a roster spot, and he hasn't even played yet.
1: Yeah, so uh, I think he will be ready um, for the start of training camp. So that'll be a good sign for him to kind of yeah. get out there and, and you know f- start to make an impression on the coaches. Although, honestly, I think the Eagles would be perfectly okay if he didn't play at all and he just rode IR all year. Yeah, yeah, IR yeah. Because they don't really need him at running back. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, Maragos is a guy that if he doesn't, Like, if he's not playing by the second preseason game, then I think it could be one of two things. One is he's so secure in his roster spot, he doesn't feel the need to push it. Or two, he is actually legitimately still recovering, at which point the Eagles have to strongly consider, again, a guy like Corey Graham bringing in somebody uh, to kind of take his spot on the roster. Not so much as a safety, more as a special teams guy. Um, All right. The next one I had in terms of a story camp training line, Ronald Darby trade. You just um, said
0: you just said story camp training line. By the way, I did. Nice. All right,
1: I'm already I'm already in uh, getting ready for regular season mode. Training camp storyline is go. just three words: Ronald Darby trade. Um, I don't think this is something that we can completely rule out. I think Darby is set for a really good season if he stays. I think the coaches love Ronald Darby, but I think that you know you look at the future. Jalen Mills is going to be here. Sidney Jones is going to be here. Um, Rasul Douglas they view as an outside guy, which is kind of what they view Ronald Darby as. Uh, I mean, you know, obviously there's Devontae Bosby, how he's played very well. We'll see if that translates into the preseason. Avante Maddox is a the guy they just drafted. He's gonna be here for the next two years at least. It's a, lot, it's a lot of cornerbacks. It's a lot of corners and Ronald Darby entering a contract year. Um, Eagles don't normally let guys they like enter a contract year. I mean, they did it with with Jernigan and Alshon, but they traded for those guys, or traded-slash-signed those guys with one year left. So that's a little different than letting guys walk into their final year. Um, so I think they'll always kind of be talked, especially if Bosby plays really well, if Sidney Jones looks good. I do think that uh, there there's going to be speculation about potentially trading Ronald Darby.
0: Yeah, no, I, I think
1: that's been kind of a story, like in, in the background, a
0: background storyline all offseason, season. Uh, I, I think a lot of it will come down to how confident they are in uh, Sidney Jones coming off that injury, not any mm-hmm. NFL experience, and if he can handle getting the snaps that he probably is going to need to get this season. So I, I think if they're confident that he can step in and become like a top two cornerback on this roster right away, then I think it makes sense to to trade Darby and try and get another either another player or more draft assets because he. While he's on an expiring contract, he still is young and pretty talented, and they did just trade a third-round pick and your boy last year for him. So right. I, I think there's some value. He's and cornerbacks, people, cornerbacks still have value in the NFL. I know you're, you're seeing in like free agency safeties don't really have the same value, linebackers value has decreased, and you know running backs don't really have value. But I think corners in the past first league, I think there's a team out there that would pay for him.
1: I think though that in order to trade him, it would have to be a really good offer because I think the Eagles. Are perfectly content with kind of like going in this year with a stacked roster. I mean, they already have. I think it's something like eleven projected draft picks for next year. When you take into account uh, compensatory picks, so they're pretty stacked for the draft next year. They have two f- two second round picks. They have a first round pick. I think it would probably take a first round pick for for them to deal Darby. I don't think they'll get offered a first round pick for Darby. No. But I, I you know, the more I think about it, like they would rather be stacked, I think, than worry about the future. I mean, I think they take the challenge of repeating and getting back to Super Bowl extremely seriously and this roster is better with Ron- Ronald Darby on it. You can certainly make an argument of getting a th- a third round pick for him now if he's going to walk next off season. They I mean, you know, you can make that debate about every single player on the roster, but I do think that they they, they would they would value value keeping him.
0: Yeah, I I don't think he's going to get traded by the way. I, I just mm-hmm. think that there could be value for him if they were to pursue that.
1: Yep. All right, next storyline.
0: Uh Let's see. I'll I'll go with. Uh, it's kind of in the background right now, and you kind of touched on a guy going into the last season. I'll, I'll say Brandon Graham and his contract talks. Ooh, I didn't uh, have that one. Go yeah, ahead. I, I don't know if it's necessarily going to be. I think his personality won't let it necessarily like be a distraction within the locker room. But I mean, he's an elite defensive end. You're seeing these defensive ends get huge contracts, and he's without question one of the probably one of the ten best pass rushers in the NFL. And mm-hmm. uh, I I mean that. I was just talking about how cornerbacks value defensive ends probably are the most, maybe the most beyond quarterbacks in terms of like money. I think they might get the most in the NFL. Like it, 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 it's kind of crazy that he's going willingly going into his last season. I know he's recovering from injury and that probably has little something to do with why he hasn't even considered a holdout, even though I'm not sure he would anyway. But I, like that, that's definitely going to be something to keep an eye on, and you wonder whether you know he has a great year because it's his contract year, or he struggles because he's thinking about it too much, or if that's something the Eagles are actually considering, or if he takes that personally that they're not even considering it. Like, I just think it's going to be something that's going to be in the background for a while.
1: Yeah, and the interesting thing is, you know, because he is hurt, he doesn't really even have the option to hold out. Like, what's he not going to show yeah, up for, for that, rehab? Yeah, that's my I mean, thing.
0: Yeah, it's, it's hard to tell. Like, if he would anyway, right? Because he's hurt.
1: And I kind of don't think he would. I think he's accepted the fact that it's not going to happen. Um, one interesting note, since Brandon Graham's Instagram seems to be the biggest source of news this offseason, <laughs> uh, he is walking around without a boot on now, and he does oh. seem to be you know, walking pretty comfortably. So it seems like he's progressing well. I, I still don't think we'll see him maybe maybe like the last week of practice leading up to Atlanta, I would be surprised if he was a serious participant um, before that third preseason game. I don't think you need Graham to play in the preseason. You want Josh Sweat to play anyway, get these snaps, Derek Barnett, those type of guys. I think there's a decent chance he's ready for week one. But again, like if you're Brandon Graham, and I, I, I really do feel bad for Brandon Graham because he's such a nice guy that he's just played this the wrong way. I mean, he should have held out last year. That that yeah. would have been his big chance, and now this offseason he's Super Bowl, M- I mean not Super Bowl MVP, but he's one of the MVPs of the Super Bowl, and he's hurt, which like kills all of his leverage. So if you're Graham, I mean, like, what's more important to you, playing, you know, twelve games at a hundred percent, or playing all sixteen games and you know rushing to get ready there for Week One for the yeah. ring ceremony, for the you know the flag coming down and all that? So it's gonna be interesting. I personally think he's gonna want to play Week One. He's gonna want to feel that excitement of playing. He's gonna want to be there with his guys. But I just wonder like what his agent will be telling him. I mean, the Eagles have to realize that if they're going to let him play this year on his final deal, he's going to have to i mean, he just won the super Bowl he This is his next big contract. It'll really be his only big contract in the NFL. I mean, his rookie deal was kind of big because there was no rookie uh, work yeah. scale yet. but the second contract he got was if I remember correctly like a three year deal as an outside linebacker with maybe seven or eight million guaranteed. so he never really has gotten that huge deal you know twenty five thirty million guaranteed that he is the caliber of player that's worth getting that it just seems like everything's kind of not broken his way contract wise so I think this is a big year for Graham to kind of prove he's healthy prove he's that same player and I think he has to put his own priorities first so that's definitely a big storyline I forgot about that one but that that is definitely a good one heading into next week or yeah the start of next week um all right let me see I want to pick a good one I have a few here um all right I've won this is a bit of a projection for a storyline, but I think this is something that is going to happen. And I have slow start to preseason games causes panic. I think (laughs) (laughs) like amongst fans, you mean? Yeah. I I think like, (laughs) because of the fact that long season, well, I think, all right, for two, two, three main reasons, I think they're going to, they're going to start off slow in preseason. One, I think that because of all the injuries you just mentioned, some guys won't be playing, and B, the guys that will be in there that are kind of recovering from injuries are going to be just doing that, recovering from injuries, um, that type of thing. Two, they have like new some new guys at key spots. Their nickel cornerbacks new. They have Mike Wallace as their number two receiver now. They're not going to have Alshon in there, so you're going to have like mix and matches there. Um, offensive line is always good, but I do think you could see, you know, their backups at this point aren't ideal. I mean, you have Vitae as a backup and that's really your only dependable backup you have. So I think that that could cause a little bit of struggle, but uh, two, I, well, I mean, three, I just don't think that they're going to care that much about preseason. So I think, you know, Doug's not going to be whipping out the Philly special in preseason. I mean, <laughs> these are going to be very bland vanilla games. And I, so I just think they're going to, they're going to start out slow. And if Foles doesn't play well, cause let's, let's remember Foles didn't really play well until the playoffs last year. He's not, you know, he's a very hit or miss. If he doesn't play well, then you start to be like, okay, we need, we need Wentz to play. We need Wentz to play. So I think when you add all that up, that there's going to be a slow start. And as we as we know about Philly fans, which is what I love about them, you know, they live and die with every snap of every play, every every game. So if they don't look good week one preseason, even if it's for one series for the offense, I think, you know, the next day you're going to hear all the like, did they handle success well? Did You know, we need Wentz to come back. These Well, we, ben,
0: well ben McAdoo thinks they won't. So. Exactly
1: right. <laughs> and what Ben McAdoo thinks counts a ton. But yeah, so I think that is going to be a storyline coming in pre, in preseason.
0: I agree. You mentioned uh, Philly special, and it made me think, like, who's going to be the Trey Burton now that he's gone? If they'd run the Philly special again, who throws?
1: Who so Richard Rodgers apparently. I remember he said something at his press conference. Either maybe he used to play baseball or something about how he he's a pretty good he's pretty good throwing. I think if they run that play again, you see all the same players. I think Corey Clements, the guy, the guy that throws it, maybe Ertz, him and him and oh, Foles, him and Foles play catch before ever, not with a baseball, obviously they 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 you know warm up together um before every game as they did before Wentz got here and then they did it again once Wentz went down. But so I, I think uh I think he would be the guy. I think they already have that good chemistry in terms of uh you know Ertz er- er knows how to throw it the, the way Foles likes to catch it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just I just thought that was an in inter- because I, I saw Trey Burton all over the place at the SBs yesterday and that got me thinking like Yeah, he had the so Philly who, so special in you? the coat. Yeah, that was really cool. All right, you but,
1: you are up in terms of the yeah, next I'm up.
0: one. All right, I'll I'll say one that's not necessarily football related, but it's going to be a storyline, uh, especially around this team. The what's going to happen with the national anthem,
1: Ooh, with, especially with guys one I didn't have. Sorry, let's hear it.
0: These are more big picture ones, that's why. Uh, but but I don't know. I, I think especially with Michael Bennett on the team, uh, he hasn't come out and said he won't protest, though he has had the quotes where he's like, it's not necessarily about the act of protesting; it's about what you do in the community. But, I mean, you still have guys like Malcolm Jenkins who ha- ha- hasn't, you know, when he's been asked, hasn't really said what he's going to do yet. And, I mean, Rodney McLeod, I think was he was one of the guys that raised his fist last year. Yep. So, I mean, and Jenkins is the one, that, the head of the Players Coalition, and, uh, you know, we heard the other day that the Titans defensive lineman, uh, Jurell, I don't know if that's how you say it, Jarrell Casey, Yep. he said he's still going to be protesting during the anthem, and there's going to be implications this year, and we're going to see how the NFL reacts and, and how around the league how guys do it and I think the Eagles are going to be always the one that that's pointed to as kind of the face of it even if they didn't necessarily kneel last year and uh, I'm just curious to see how they do it how they react how Jeffrey Lurie acts because he's been kind of down the middle when it comes to this stuff recently so I I just think maybe not in the preseason but once the regular season starts it's going to be a storyline.
1: Yeah, I mean, t- two points off of that. One is Jeffrey always does his kind of like State of the Union address during preseason, so we'll get answers from him on you know is he going to find players? Because remember, now the rule is the owners essentially yeah. decide if you find the players. And is I know, know the
0: Jets f- the Jets owner said he he would pay for the fine.
1: Right. So that precedent is being set. I think Jeffrey is is viewed publicly as one of the more liberal owners in the NFL, and I pri- privately I do think that is the case. Um, so. I uh I you know it'll be interesting to see how he answers that. He but I will say in his press conferences, he's like very non-committal to everything. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if he like brushed that aside and then if someone on the Eagles does something we find out he didn't find them or something like that. I would just be very surprised if Jeffrey ended up finding a player. But it'll be interesting to see what, what he says about that. But the other thing is, um, you know, I I kept focusing on week one and I think that is gonna be the bigger stage, obviously. But during OTAs I was on the sideline talking to someone that works for the Eagles. And they mentioned like you know there there is the anthem in the preseason too, so I don't know if the Eagles will kind of True. Tip, their, tip their hat, but yeah, in theory, I mean, and I'm not you know gonna say I'm gonna tell these players how to feel you know this is their thing, that Malcolm knows so much more about the subject than I do, but in theory, I mean the anthem before a preseason game shouldn't really mean any more or less than in the regular True. season I get it to, yeah. i get it's a I get that it's a bigger stage, but remember Kaepernick started sitting in the preseason that's how that whole I thing didn't was. realize that. Yeah, although now that I said it, I'm only like 90% sure. But I I am pretty sure it was in the preseason that he sat. And the funny thing about Kaepernick is he sat for one game. I don't think anybody noticed. And then the next game someone like wrote a small column about it and then it blew up. So it's just funny how like everyone thinks Kaepernick did this for all this attention and end up getting that, but he kind of just did it on his own at first. So and I look forward to all the comments saying that all these things I got wrong about the Kaepernick <laughs> story, but uh, no, I think, yeah, what they do in the first preseason game will, will be very interesting. Um, and I think the Eagles embrace the fact that they're one of the teams that is forward, you know, kind of at the front of this fight. So I do, I don't think they're going to take the, take their responsibility as the first team in week one, like lightly. So I'm very interested to see what they do. Um, All right. So I don't have to cross any off my list because I didn't have that one. (laughs) Um, All right. How about, how about this one? When will Howie Roseman make a trade? So Howie does more trades in the NFL than anybody else. Um, I guess it was two years ago. Obviously he traded Sam Bradford, but then also he had the DGB trade that kind of got everyone excited for a little bit. Um, I'm trying to think if he made any trades during training camp last year, I'll
0: any like minor ones, maybe. Yeah, I'm
1: sure he did off the top of my head. I can't,
0: I'll see if I can look it up. Oh, well, oh, he
1: traded Jordan Matthews for Ronald Darby. That oh, one that's one. true. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that
0: happened. That happened during August. Didn't it? Yeah. It
1: happened after the green Bay game. So,
0: yeah, I mean, that's a pretty big one. I always remember no, that. Because, nobody saw that coming. Nobody saw that coming. Yeah.
1: I remember that because I had a really early, early, really early flight out of green Bay the, the morning after the game. I get home, I already have all my stuff written, I'm super tired, I ordered like a banging sandwich, I sit down, <laughs> I'm ready to watch TV and eat, and then I get the text from the Eagles that they traded Jordan Matthews. And I'm like, well, so much for that. So yeah. I think there will be a moment, this training camp, where we're both, one of us is not well, both of us will be in that situation where... And they, know,
0: all, they also traded John Dorenbosz.
1: Yep, they did. And then there was that whole thing with the health debacle, which thankfully for him they discovered, but then, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. To pick. So and they
0: acqui- and they acquired Dexter McDougal. So he does like a bunch of uh minor ones usually.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so there will definitely there will be that again. Uh so let's let's take a guess. When is that first trade made and without maybe saying a player, like what position do the Eagles trade for first?
0: Okay. So are we are we predicting like a date and and a position kind of thing?
1: Uh, just kind of like after what preseason game? Uh, Not okay, a specific gotcha, gotcha. date, but just at what point of training camp?
0: Uh, hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I, I think they they make a trade for a defensive tackle. All right, and I think it happens uh,
1: halfway through the preseason. Halfway through the preseason. I like defensive tackle as one because you have the Jernigan question mark and Halodi Nada is yet to practice. Yeah, and then we, did, the we didn't mention him with the injuries. Too, so. I don't think. Yes. I think I think linebacker is a spot they could end up making a trade for. Just because as of now, I mean you have Corey Nelson and, and Nate Geary as your third guys, and then you obviously have the Hicks injury concern. And Bradham suspended. Oh yeah, that's right. Bradham suspended week one. So they only have
0: so they might only have uh Nate Geary and uh yeah, and and like, I mean, Jordan Hicks, me, Hicks is the Hicks ready. <laughs>
1: I mean, if Hicks isn't ready, who would it be? Nate, Nate, Gary, and Corey Nelson?
0: Or, or Gruzier Hill, I guess? I don't know.
1: I guess maybe Gruzer Hill, did, I mean, get, I mean, Nate, Gary was here all last year, but, uh, I don't know. You didn't play a ton. Man, even talking about this has me excited for this, for this training camp to get going. But,
0: um, <laughs> when you're getting excited about talking about Gruzier Hill, that's, yeah, that's a good sign that you yeah, love that's, this. Yeah, exactly.
1: It's how you know. But, you know, I think linebacker's up there. And another one I think, um, is offensive offensive linemen. Because, like, yeah, if you yeah. look at their top five, assuming that, Peters is healthy... Their bench is bad, yeah. Yeah, they have Vitae as as a backup tackle, which is huge, obviously. But then, outside of that, I mean, Sayamalu is a huge question mark slash, like, basically sucks. Chance Wormack <laughs> isn't very good. And, like, you have Taylor Hart, who I don't think they would keep two backup tackles. But if Taylor and Hart... And Matt Pryor, too, but yeah. They have Matt Pryor, who I think... If I remember correctly, has been playing guard and tackle. Yeah, but yeah, um, yeah. They have two, you know. So basically, do you keep two tackles with Taylor Hart? And if you do, I bet. I guess Taylor Hart takes his normal place on the inactive list every week because you're not going to dress <laughs> two guys that are only playing tackle. Like yeah. either of them can play guard. So that's a, it's a weird spot, and especially it's it's probably not a great
0: sign when your number one backup center is your starting guard because Wisniewski right. is the backup center. I, I don't know if that's a great situation to have
1: no it's not so i think maybe interior offensive line could see it could be a place you see them move a guy like a veteran guy that's played that they know what they're going to get because they really just have a lot of question marks and honestly like calling them question marks might even be you know, putting it nicely. It's more like yeah. a ton of bat, like not very good players. Like, like they're in trouble if one of their five starters gets injured pretty much, unless it's a tackle, I guess. They're, they're in trouble if either of their guards or their center goes down. They're in huge or trouble. La-
0: or if Lane Johnson gets injured because anytime he's hurt, they're bad. So. Yeah,
1: obviously, right. Yeah, I mean, he's like, you know, top three most important player on the roster. Yeah. But I, although I will say like, Lane Johnson is very good. Don't get me wrong. And I'm not demeaning him in any way. But Vitae, I think is... I'll have to do the research. Own. Yeah, and I mean, I'd have to go and look. Um, but, like, he might be the best backup tackle in the league. I mean, I don't, I, you know, I'm sure people tweet me, some other guys, but he literally stepped in on Super Bowl champion, played I, I tackle.
0: Think, well, generally speaking, backup offensive linemen aren't that good because there's a reason why there's a backup. But the reason why he's a backup is because he was good when a guy was injured and he's still on the roster. So I think it's right. a pretty unique situation.
1: Right, so he could start for probably a number of teams. Yeah. Um, all right. That was it. All right. I I just did one, right? I did the Howie. Yeah, tried that, thing. yeah, that was you. All right, you're up.
0: All right, uh, I'll say the, the transition from uh John DeFilippo and Frank Reich to Mike Rowe and uh Press Taylor.
1: Wow, I'm so I literally thought we would have the exact same ten, and I didn't have that one either. <laughs> see, right, I, I tried ahead. thinking a little outside of the box
0: to be fair, but yeah, uh, let's see, mine are more like broad storylines. I'll I have some like actual training camp ones, but I think this is going to be an important one just because. You know, that they had such a finely-tuned machine by the end of the season last year. Well, even throughout the season, but right. especially by the time Nick Foles became the quarterback. Like, I don't know many coaching staffs would have been able to so seamlessly transition from an MVP-type guy to getting a quarterback ready who basically had him play all year. Like, people don't – I feel like people don't appreciate how difficult it is to do what they did for Nick Foles, you know, considering he hadn't got snaps all year, and it's hard to go in cold turkey like that. Right, And uh, they had him ready. So I, I think – you know, these are two guys that, you know, Mike Rowe's been around the coaching business for a long time, but uh, he, he has, I don't know if he's like been the main play caller uh, in quite a while. Oh, He has, I mean, Doug Peterson, I guess is, but uh, it's going to be interesting to see him taking on that role. And then Press Taylor is going to be pretty big because he's a very young guy. He's never had a full-time coaching job and now he's taken on, you know, the most lucrative quarterback situation in the NFL. And it's going to be interesting to see if the offense transitions seamlessly to these two guys that are compared to some coaches in the, around the league are relatively inexperienced.
1: So I think every point you made is a good one and a fair one, but I completely disagree. So I think that, like, yes, like I said, all those points you made are true, but I think that the Eagles, the way they handled it, and, like, because of the way the roster set up, they're kind of, like, uniquely qualified. I mean, if any other team lost their offensive coordinator and their quarterback coach, I would say, all right, that's a question mark and maybe I'm being a little naive, but I think if you take them one by one, I think that Mike Groh stepping in for Frank Reich will be a fairly seamless transition. I I do think that like Frank Reich and Doug Pearson had a very close bond and a trust there, and I'm not saying that he already has that with Groh because you have to develop that over time, but I do think that the move and grow up was the right decision because it kind of, as much as you sometimes need a new voice, I think in this situation you needed someone Doug trusted and knew the offense. Eagles don't really have to reinvent the wheel when it comes to their offense. So I think that could be a fairly seamless transition. And then quarterback coach. I mean, the Eagles have Wentz who's basically the quarterback coach (laughs) and is like basically co-offensive offensive coordinator I mean not to overstate what he does but I mean the guy is like a walking football textbook and two you have Foles who is also I mean you know played in the NFL a ton veteran leader so I think the Eagles are like not to dem- like Filippo did his job but I don't think going forward like keeping him was as big of a priority as it would have been as it was having him the last two years so I mean if
0: if it was a big priority to keep him they would have just made him offensive coordinator in reality
1: Right, exactly. So, and no, you're right. Yeah. So I I do think that like it's one of those storylines where in week six, if like uh, the offense is struggling for whatever reason, and again, the, the other actually point is Doug. Doug is basically the offensive coordinator. Yeah. no, you're so, right. And he's still there. So, and a lot of what makes this offense special, I'm not diminishing the play designs because obviously you know they they do do a great job with that. But what makes this offense so good is Doug's game get the way he calls the game on Sunday and clearly preparation goes into that, which Frank, Reich, D flip one of members of the offensive staff staff help with, but I think you still have like your top two guys in terms of what makes that offense special. And I think they're, they're just uniquely, uniquely qualified. But if in week six, if they're struggling, maybe we'll, we'll look back at this and you'll end up being correct. Um, I just, I just, you know, I think it'd be interesting. Um, all right. How many You're more, up. how many more do you have? I have one, two, how many have we done? Uh, one, two, three, four, five. I've done five of mine and you went first. So I think we might be done, but I have one more point I want to make about, okay. we, well, first of all, we didn't talk about nickel cornerback, maybe just cause it's been exhausted as a topic all off season. Yeah, I don't know how much
0: different we can add to it, but
1: right. But that is probably the biggest question mark on the roster. Cause it's basically a starting spot and they lost. And Patrick
0: time. Robinson was so important last year. Yeah.
1: Right. So, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about that a ton. Obviously. I think what, I think how they're going to start is like, if the Eagles had to play a game tomorrow and everyone was healthy, I think Darby and Mills would be your starters on the outside. And when a third cornerback was in the game, which is a fair amount, Sidney Jones will take Mills' spot and Mills will move into the slot or the nickel. That's how I think they would do it. Do you agree or.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's pretty accurate. Uh, yeah, I think it's going to, it's going to be a group effort in general, I think.
1: Right. All right. So here is the last thing I wanted to say. Um, I think the most overrated storyline and I've tweeted about this, but we haven't talked about it on the podcast. The most overrated storyline around this team right now is the defensive struggle in the Super Bowl.
0: Like <laughs> I didn't realize that was a storyline.
1: It it boggles my mind. And I think the Eagles have the best set of beat writers in the NFL. Um, like bar none. When you go to every sporting event, I mean like the combine, the draft, all that, you see that they're, you know, we're like fifteen deep, all extremely good at our job. But it just boggles my mind how many like times that question has been asked to the coaches and the players about why they struggled why they struggled in the Super Bowl. Because to me, it's like, first of all, they're going against the best quarterback of all time. Two, they had the game-winning strip sack. Three, they allowed 20 total points in the first two games, including seven in the championship game. And someone tweeted me this and so I'm just going to take it as fact since everything everyone tweets me is true. Like they the Patriots didn't cross like the 40-yard line or something like that. The whole sec like the for the last like 11 minutes or something like that. Wow. So and and also it was their 19th
0: game they were playing that season so.
1: Right. And I mean, you know, like it's Tom Brady and the Patriots in the Super Bowl like I think at that point you just like you just hope for, hope the well, best Also they ever. won. Yeah, <laughs> and, and they won exactly. So to me and you know, now that I'm talking about this, maybe I'll write this and we can do a whole podcast on it. But I think there's a strong argument to be made the Eagles can go into next season claiming they have the best defense in the entire NFL because they have basically the same roster outside of nickel corner um, in some ways. I mean, not every roster changes a little, but they have all the, the main guys again. And they added Michael Bennett. They added Michael Bennett. Exactly. Um, and to me, like I put a ton of emphasis on what teams do when games matter and the Eagles defense dominated in games. They had to win last year overall, basically. I mean, if I remember they weren't that great in the giants game late in the season, but you know, they dominated the Cowboys in prime time. They dominated in the playoffs, that Raiders game that they won in prime time. They were really good. Um, and they got the job done in the super bowl. So I think the defense, you can make an argument is the best in the NFL heading next season. And I like, I literally never want to hear again about the defensive struggles in the Super Bowl. Like if if they come out in the first weeks of the season and they struggle, it will have zero to do with what happened in the Super Bowl. Like there, that was not the blueprint of how to beat the Eagles. Not every team has Tom Brady, not every team has Rob Gronkowski. Like that was not a blueprint. Like we will see into next season how the Eagles defense does. I think they'll be very good, but the Super Bowl to me like has nothing to do with it. Oh yeah, I
0: mean on paper that they have if not the most talented, then one of the top two or three most talented defenses in the NFL. Easily. So yeah, I, easily. I,
1: if, if they struggle, it not, has nothing to do with what happened in the Super Bowl. All right. Do you have an overrated storyline? This is off the cuff. If not, it's all good. You can think of when to do it next time. Hmm. But do you have an overrated storyline heading into it? Uh, no, I don't, I don't think I do off the top of my head, and I'll have to think about that. All right. You'll have to tweet I, I, it.
0: I, I have, I have, a, I have like a question for you that, that'll be off the cuff, though. All right. Let's, let's hear it. Just, just throw it out. So who, who do you think will be this year's Nelson Aguilar? A guy who was not necessarily, lab- hmm. I mean, you could say labeled a bust or struggled for a, for a right. year or two and then this year, or at least a candidate to become that, because I have a guy in mind, but I don't know if he'll necessarily become it, but I have a guy. I was just curious who you would say.
1: All right. Well, I don't want to take yours, but so I think the obvious one is Derek Barnett, but it's hard for defensive ends to really stand out in training camp practices. So you're you're mostly talking about a guy that's going to be a skill position player because those are the guys that... You know, like are able to shine the best in, in training camp. So mine would be Donnell Pumphrey.
0: That that was who I was gonna say. God, I
1: knew it was gonna. I, yeah. <laughs>
0: well, I mean, he's the obvious one because if you just factor in like everybody labeled Nelson Aguilar a bust, everybody right. kind of already moved on from him. Nobody was talking about him anymore. Like I'll, I'll I i do not know necessarily think Donnell's gonna have that huge of an impact this year, but like you, we probably were saying that about Nelson Aguilar at this time a year or two ago. So yeah. I, I, it just makes a lot of sense that he could be like a surprise guy.
1: Right. My other guy. Um, I don't know if this will, this doesn't qualify for your list, but I think a guy that in three weeks is going to be viewed a lot differently than he is now is Nate Sudfeld. Um, I I think he's going to play really well in preseason. He's going to play really well in the training camp, and I think that like people, I don't think people are going to be saying trade falls because of it because he's Super Bowl MVP, but. I think that people will be talking like, wow, the Eagles could really get something for Sudfeld so, if they want to. I was gonna say,
0: so do you think if like he comes out and has like three good preseason games and and a quarterback gets injured, like do you think he's a guy that a team would target for someone who's not like as pricey as Nick Foles would be for them? Like do you think he could build his value up that much?
1: So yeah, I think the teams are gonna want Nate Sudfeld. I mean a team tried to sign him last year and the Eagles kept him, but like, again, my my value of, like, trade assets is always very different than everyone else's. Like, last year I said I wouldn't trade Jordan Matthews unless it was a top 15 pick in the draft. And <laughs> Like, so, <laughs> yeah, I mean, whatever, right? There, like, yeah. So, but when I look at Sudfeld, I'm thinking, like, okay, he plays the most important position in all of sports. He's a developmental guy. He's been here for a year. He's very close with Wentz. You six might... Six. You might, yeah, he has all the physical tools. You might lose foals at the end of the year. But I think Sudfeld... Is a guy that like ideally would be your backup for Wentz's entire career. Now, you know, he'll become a free agent at one point, you know, who knows what would happen. I think he would probably want to stay, but I'm sure he also wants to play too. But like if if a team calls me and even if I know Wentz is playing week one, like it's gonna take a lot to get Sudfeld because A, if you're in win now mode and if wentz goes down all of a sudden folds your starter and then backups a huge position so like sudfeld is like kind of like shady a really important player on this roster because you know wentz looked healthy all that blah 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 coming off a torn ACL player's tailor ACLs again that's just how it goes sometimes so like all right i have a i have a trade asset in my mind that i would trade sudfeld for and you you tell you try to guess what it is like make me an offer and I'll tell you if I would take it.
0: So if I'm another team offering You're another you? team
1: that wants a quarterback.
0: Oh man, that's And are we going off at like he like are we pretend like this right now or this is like after he had no, a like after week games?
1: This is like after the second preseason game he's played six quarters. He's looked amazing. That type
0: of Okay. Thing. Uh, fourth round pick?
1: Nope.
0: You would go higher than that? Mine was second. Wow. <laughs> nobody would do that, right? Right,
1: nobody would, but
0: I see what you're saying. Like that's what it's kind of like how they were asking for two firsts for Nick Foles kind of thing.
1: Right. Like the value of Sudfeld to this roster is worth more to me than like a third, fourth round pick. Like I get that value wise, I could see how people would laugh at that because he's your third string quarterback. But I just think when you look at the ex- the circumstances, it's a little different.
0: So, so on, then what about on the flip side? If he comes out and he ha- looks like pretty bad for two preseason games, what do, what do you think the future holds for him here?
1: Well, I don't think they would cut him because yeah. I do think they want to carry three quarterbacks because of the reasons I just mentioned. But like, if Joe Callahan really outplays him, um, I yeah, I just don't think they'd cut him. But maybe it, they it's, maybe it's, they it's keep Callahan it's, it, on the. It's just body. interesting to me that there's like such two such extremes with him, you know? Right. No, I agree. I mean, and that's the thing too. Like the Eagles value the quarterback position so much, and rightfully so. Where like, you know. I mean, when I first started covering the team, like I probably couldn't even tell you now at the time I could, but now I probably can tell you the third string quarterback was because it was like it didn't really matter. You know, like you had your starter and your backup and that was it. But I think the Eagles showed like by investing so much in the quarterback position, both in coaches and, you know, hiring former quarterbacks as your coaches, that type of thing. Like to me, the third quarterback position is so important because you're always using that spot to develop and you're always using that spot as your potential backup if your starter goes down. So and I'm not trading quarterbacks lightly. So I just don't think I – Sudfield would have to really suck, basically, is what I'm saying, for yeah. me to cut him.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, th- I, I agree. I, I'm just curious, I'm just curious <clears> to see <throat> like, how it plays out if he just comes out and looks bad. And I don't think he's going to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, it is different when you're playing against other teams than your own guys.
1: Well, the good news is I will have his stats for you every day on <laughs> NBA.com. So we will know whether he is – And we can overreact after practice one. Oh. That's all we do. I mean, last year we had Hot Take Tuesday. We'll have to maybe re-up that for the... Uh, <laughs> I like that. Hot, Hot Take Tuesday. We'll have to maybe re-up that for the uh, training camp. So, all right. So we went over the storylines. Training camp, as I said, July 19th. So we're a week away. Um, probably not going to have a pod until then, but let's do one the first day to talk about what we see, how Wentz looks, and all that. So we will have a podcast for you next Thursday. Send us questions. Yeah, send us questions. Leave a review. Now that I'm... I, look... You guys didn't leave reviews in the offseason. I understand. We probably did a bad job of getting podcasts up regularly. But <laughs> now it's going to be regular season. So everybody get back to doing, uh, leaving those reviews. Apple Podcast app, you can do it in there. We're on Spreaker, Spreaker, Google Play, YouTube, all that stuff. So go subscribe, leave a review. And Zach, I will talk to you for next Thursday. But I'll talk to you on the podcast next week to start a training camp. All right, I'm pumped.